0: Welcome, and thanks for listening. This podcast is in over 30 countries. Thousands of downloads. So exciting. So glad you could listen. Uh, 1972. Eastern Airlines Flight 401 was planning to depart from New York JFK, which it did, uh, en route to Miami on December 29th. It was a Lockheed L-1011 plane. Um, This plane... This particular plane was four years old, and during that time, the parent company uh, that built that plane was Rolls Royce, and Rolls Royce had some financial issues, which many say uh, contributed to a lot of minor issues with these particular planes. They weren't major issues, but they were minor things that required a lot of maintenance. Um, so. As this plane was taking off, no problem at a JFK, and as it, as it came into Miami, the they put the landing gear down, and the light that indicates that the landing gear is down and locked did not illuminate, which obviously caused a bit of a stir in the cockpit. There were three three pilots in the in the plane, so they uh, like the word I guess is recycled, meaning they. Tried again to put the landing gear down and the light didn't come on. They played around with the bulb to see, okay, does it need to be replaced or whatnot? And um, still no problem. They're radioing the tower, the pilot's radioing the tower saying, We've got an issue with landing gear. They went into a holding pattern over the over the uh over the Everglades. The one pilot went asked one of the co-pilots to go and actually visually see, because you could go in and see if the landing gear is down. And during that time when they were trying to figure out, okay, is the landing gear down or is it not, The one of the pilots bumped the autopilot, um, autopilot mechanism and switched it off and caused the plane to get too low. And because they were over the Everglades, at night, I didn't mention that part, um, they couldn't really see, you know, you could see if you're flying in the city or if there's lots of lights around, you could you, you could probably tell much more easily that you're, you know, getting closer to the ground. Um, so they, bumping that autopilot switch, which in turn, by the way, you know, was said to be uh, a design problem with this plane, it caused it to crash. And uh, that preoccupation with the perceived malfunction of the nose landing gear, directed the crew's attention to something else, which obviously caused them not thinking about the, uh, the altitude, and they crashed. Now, 101 people died in that crash. 75 people survived. You know, and it was an important cautionary tale for not only design of planes going forward, but also for training of pilots. Uh, pilots were blamed here, uh for this crash. You can go and, and and read about it. Um, you know, incidentally the the um in the years following that there were there were, there was talk that there were parts from that plane that were put onto other planes in um on Eastern Airlines and there were these stories going through the company about ghosts that that uh uh crew members were seeing ghosts of of some of the fallen pilots and 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 crew members uh and at eastern airlines uh at that time put a huge stop on that, saying no more talk about ghosts or whatnot, which uh may or may not be uh, true but a, but a, certainly an interesting story and a terrible disaster um and what it highlights, of course, is this idea that the pilots were preoccupied with the landing gear. It turned out that it, the landing gear was working properly it was the issue with the bulb. Um, and that preoccupation, that attention being being focused on the landing gear came at the expense of the altitude of the plane. As we know, our attention is a fixed quantity, right? So the pilots here weren't able to add more attention to the process of landing or their altitude because they had an issue with the landing gear, right? So we think about that in our, our everyday lives. It may not be something as Critical as landing a plane during a during a difficult circumstance, but we see that every day in what we do. You know, if we're in the office, we're working, or even working from home, there's some element we're having stress at work, or we have witnessed some element of incivility. We've had a fight with our partner in the morning. Um, you've had a difficult conversation with your boss. Maybe it's relative to you're not getting along, or there's going to be cuts or whatnot. That <clears throat> preoccupation. Is coming at the expense of where you were going to allocate your attention before, and I think about it too um, when it comes to just in life. When it comes to you know engaging other people and authentic relationships, right? You know, you go to and I've written about this. I've written about it. I've written about it. And um, you know, you you think about this idea of a a loneliness epidemic that we have. You know that. 30, 40% of our population doesn't have one person to confide in, which is sad. And if you haven't listened to the loneliness episodes uh, of this podcast, uh, I encourage you to, to find them and, and listen. So we have this loneliness epidemic, yet, you know, you go to an airport gate and you see everybody on their phones and they're sitting next to other people who are usually also on their phone, whether they're scrolling or whether they're working or whatever it might be. And there isn't this, I ran into this person and had this connection story. You don't hear people talking about that anymore because we don't engage other people. We are in our bubble. We are in our digital bubble and we our bubbles will collide a little bit when we're you know in line with someone else but we don't really talk to them they might just bump into us but we're in that digital bubble and we're not our our attentional resources are focused on our devices for the most part at the expense of maybe making some sort of connection with another human being that we happen to be with and you see that more and more and I, i just find that even in the past i don't know Ten or fifteen years, you don't hear people talking about running into other people anymore. you don't hear about people saying, "Oh you know i I met this person in a waiting room or whatever, and we started talking about whatever those things just don't happen and what tends to happen, I'm getting off on a tangent. what tends to happen right is that people are scrolling, and that's not getting them anywhere, so that attention. We have a fixed quantity of it, and it's focused on our phones or in our digital bubble. It comes at the expense of engaging other people. It comes at the expense of our work. Or in the case of this flight, it came at the expense of knowing the altitude of the plane before it crashes. Now, we know that we can create an environment that's conducive to less distractions, whether it's, you know, push notifications on our phone or if we're working, you know, we don't want to be part of the, what is it, 84% of the population, the work population that has their email inbox open all the time, that we close it, that we're when we're working from home, we're, we have a plan for our pets or our children, I guess I should put children, for our children or pets. <laughs> we have a dedicated workspace even if we're living in the city that we find a way to when we're when we're seated at that workspace it's about work and we do everything we can to have not be in that space when we're not working and we've talked about that on previous episodes and also that connection between goals and <clears throat> distraction right that if we're more goals focused if we're more intrinsically uh, motivated towards achieving those goals, we have less of chance of being distraction. We can set up our environment for friction for the things that we don't want to do and eliminate that friction for the things that we need to do that are consistent with our goals. <clears throat> but in some cases, you know, it's not just about that, that environment. It's also coming from within. You know, my colleague, uh, Jason McCarley, who's at Oregon State, we do a lot of work together. You know, he sent me this really great study that looks at Uh, if you're looking it up, it's from uh, Computers and Human Behavior 2021. And it's like, why are smartphones, the title is not, it's like, I hate when people say that and I just said it. The title of the the paper is, why are smartphones disrupted? An empirical study of smartphone use in real life context. This is uh, uh, Maxi Heitmeier and Saadi Lalu. I hope I pronounced the uh, author's names correctly. But really, they found in this paper that 89% of smartphone interactions are initiated by the users, not by a push notification, so that the disruptiveness of smartphones is actually coming from within our learned behaviors, not from, advi- not from devices. So think about that for a second. You're sitting and you reach for, that, reach for that phone, not because you got a text, not because you got a notification, you reached for it. What's the reason for it? So there's a few things, right? So it's an unhealthy escape from reality. We're feeling some element of stress. We reach for that phone. Could be a workplace stressor like we talked about, right? We're feeling some element of anxiety and we reach for the phone. We're, we're, working, on a, we're working on a project and it's just, it's just, this is going to be tough. I, I don't even know how to get started on this. And I keep hearing from my boss that it's, going to be re- it's really, really important. Uh, I don't know what to do with this. You reach for the phone, right? Control also, this element of losing control can cause anxiety, right? So the less control you have over a situation, the more anxiety you feel. And that anxiety makes you want to look for Distractions. So if you if you don't have control, you in a lot of cases you want to exert control by disrupting others. You send an email or you send a text. You might even call a meeting that isn't necessary. So you're exerting control in other ways, right? So you're you have an element, you've lost control, you have a distraction that's gonna cause distra it's gonna cause a ripple effect of Distracting others. We can think of lots of people that probably we've worked with that are in positions of power that create this ripple effect of distraction, right? Sometimes it's it that element of control not, you know, comes in a lot of different ways, or lack of control comes in a lot of different ways. Transitions can be powerful too, right? So we transition from one task to another, we're really susceptible to grabbing that phone or searching the web or social media, right? Those transitions can be dangerous. And, you know, it it doesn't just even happen for a second, right? We don't just train. Well, let, me just, let me just go on to social media real quick and then I'll, I'm going to get to this other. That's not what happens, right? We get down the rabbit hole. So, we have to think about that when it comes to transitioning from one element to another. So what we're talking about today is this idea of this attentional wallet. How much attention do you have to spend? <clears throat> and trying to make that, that distinction between your time and attention. You know, everyone like people always talk about how much time they don't have, right? I mean, everyone's busy. Everyone says they're busy. And I remember, I'd love to see a paper that actually looked at the percentage of people that lie about how busy they are. I bet it's high. Like, if you're working for an organization, the last thing you're going to do, you know, is say, yeah, I'm really not that busy. Today's Wednesday. I haven't haven't done a darn thing since uh, Monday morning. Right? I'm really, really busy. It's like a... Seinfeld reference. I haven't made a Seinfeld reference in a while. You know, the George Costanzo, which basically, you know, he's working for the Yankees, I think. And, you know, his strategy was well, if I look ticked off, people are going to think I'm really working hard, which is actually a really good strategy if you think about it. Oh, man, he, he must be really, he must be really overwhelmed. Look at him. He's just ticked off all the time. So we like to say that we're busy. Everyone wants to say they're busy. How are you doing? I'm busy. People say busy or tired. How are you doing? I'm tired. I, I don't, it's an aside about an aside. I don't have any sympathy for people who say they're tired. I, I don't, I, maybe I should. I, I just don't. I, I, how are you doing? I'm tired. Everyone's tired. Like, I, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, what do you, I don't even know what to say. How are you doing? I'm tired. I mean, get some sleep. Stop staying out so late. I know you're drinking a lot. What are you doing? I mean, I don't, I don't even know what to say. So in a lot of cases, we, we talk about this idea of having enough time, but not really having enough attention. All right, I'm going to get back to this idea of, uh, of thinking about these internal stressors and whatnot, but really want to think about our capabilities as it relates to our attention and not our time. I mean, if you're, if you're taking on a new employee in your department, you might have the time to meet with them for, I don't know, 15 minutes a day to get them up to speed and get them contributing to the workforce and to the department and to the organization. But you may not have the attention to do it. I mean, to have that time... I can sit in a room with lots of people, and all of us can, and, and do lots of different things with our phone while we're sitting in that room. But the difference is that element of attention that I need to be focused on the issues that we're talking about relative to their performance and finding out <clears throat> their experience and listening and engaging on the delta between where they are and where they need to be. I, it's not a time thing. It's an attention thing. So you think about you know, bringing on new people, or even thinking about your relationship with your children. You might have the time, but do you have the attention? And so much of that can be related to both of those big elements that I alluded to earlier here. It could be the environment, you know, the whole push notification thing that we've done, or it could be related to that element of stress and anxiety, right? That, you know, you're trying to have that attention for your children or someone you're mentoring, but you've got that stressor that's causing you to pick up that phone, and and that's coming at the expense of that time and that engagement with the person that you're trying to engage. Okay. So... I want to mention. So, you could go on to CharlesChapman.com to look at Prolific, which is a program designed to help employees become more innovative and productive. It's a terrible segue to the ad here, um, but I never re-record. I just hit record, and we just go with it. You're probably like, "Yeah, I know. I can tell." <laughs> uh, so, Prolific has a self-assessment goes through, okay, what are the, all the different things that are distracting you? What are the issues that you have? So it's a kind of a guided self-assessment. It's not kind of a guided self-assessment. It is a guided self-assessment. See, if I were editing, I would have done that again. Uh, we Addressing the hurdles that get in the way of you being most productive and innovative. We talk a lot about everything from managing email and communication to structuring better meetings, goal-setting process, which is very, very popular. Um, not just... You know smart goals, but what's that process look like between the manager and the employee? The environment, all those different things, and then help you at the end formulate a plan. So it's an on-demand program. You get a badge, which is really cool. Uh there's a discount. If you go to com and type in podcast, you get a discount for enrolling in this uh in this uh short program. It's a 90-minute program We're doing a little bit of, even a little less than that. Um, you can email me at charles at com for group discounts. And, you know, we're doing all kinds of in-person consulting and workshops, which are, fun. workshops are really fun because you get everybody in a room, even if it's virtual and let's talk about the issues. That's the way to address it. I mean, that's the best way to address it is especially when it comes to like email. So like I focus on this idea of, all right, what do you, what kind of time are you wasting on internal emails? You know, and the boss hasn't said, "You know what? I don't need a formal when, you, when you're updating me on something, I don't need it to be formal. Just give me bullet points." You know what? If you say that to your direct reports, that could save them a ton of time. Right? So we go through stuff like that. We talk about meetings. We talk about, "Okay, how do we are we are we matching up quarterly and annual goals to our exercises of what we're doing and most importantly in our meetings." So things like, "Okay, you should have your quarterly and annual goals on the agenda for your meetings. And and this happens all the time. If you're like, well, they're there, but they have nothing to do with the meeting. Then why are you having the meeting? Or vice versa. Maybe they, sh- if this meeting is really important, then maybe it should be one of your goals. So we do uh, needs analysis goes in. Okay, let's figure out, let's talk to people, see what they're saying, say all kinds of things. And then we develop a plan for something. So, Anyway, so visit com to look at the on-demand program, or if you want me to come out and work with your organization, I'd love to do that. Uh, com. I love this idea of continuous partial attention. And of course, it has to have an acronym, CPA. I don't know why it has to have an acronym. But anyway, so Linda Stone is an ex-Apple and Microsoft consultant, and you know, she adopted this idea of continuous partial attention. She's credited with it. But, it's, you know, it's this idea that we're always on, <clears throat> anywhere, anytime. And we just kind of have this, we're everywhere all the time. We exist in this, you know, constant state of being alert. And we're, you know, scanning the world. But we're never really giving anything our full attention. And... You know, we we adapt well to this kind of in the short term, but in the long term, it causes stress, we get into elements of adrenaline, and we have this hyper, you know, it's kind of this physiological hyper alert state because uh, we're always scanning for stimuli, and it can actually cause a little bit of an addiction. So it gets to this idea of dopamine and whatnot. So this continuous partial attention. So I think about it in terms of, it's kind of like, Going around the ankle weights, the cognitive ankle weights. So she had CPA, so I'll have C-A-W, cognitive ankle weights. Because basically we're devoting part of our attentional resources to these things, in many cases that are extraneous, at the expense of the things that we're trying to do. So things take longer, we have less depth of understanding, we have less focus I think the taking longer piece is a, is easier to quantify. So I always use the example of cutting the grass because I just think it's, I mean, in New York, I don't cut grass. But I think it's accessible to most people, and that is working out the other one. So with either of those things, if I'm checking my phone every two minutes and I have a set thing I got to do, like I know I have to cut the front grass or I have to do... 20 different exercises. If I'm checking my phone every three minutes, it's gonna take longer to get to that. I can quantify that. Man, it's taking me a long time. Now, it, could, it is kind of an issue of kind of boiling the frog, right, I mean, it's kind of, like, well, okay, I haven't really noticed it, but if you sit back and think about it, like maybe now, because so many people listen to this while they're working out, if you weren't on your phone, aside from listening to this, checking social media, texting, whatever it is, how much time would you save? Probably a good bit. Now, let's get into that other, the, the less depth of understanding, I think is the most fascinating, but it's, it's much more difficult to quantify. So this idea of these cognitive ankle weights, if, I, if I'm spending part of my cognitive capacity on these other things that I just referenced, if I got a problem at work, like I'm trying to solve a problem at work, something really complex, it's going to be harder for me to innovate because I don't have the capacity. And I think that that's not discussed enough. You know, I, I use it with Prolific, this idea of innovation. And, you know, one of the things that really comes from innovation is this idea of looking at something from every possible perspective and developing a solution. That That's where innovation really comes. I stare at this thing and I look at it and I think about this, okay, how can I solve this problem? I always think that's a great thing. It's another side. I always think that's a great thing about arts education. You know, years ago, they talked about, like, with music, they was talking about the Mozart effect. Uh, some flimsy data there. But one of the things I think is great about arts education is think about sculpting. Sculpting is such a perfect example. So I have a... Unmolded shape of clay or whatever it is. And I'm trying to sculpt it into a person. And every day I come in and I sculpt that and I get it closer. And the best part to me is coming in the next day and looking at that for the first time before I start my work. And right there, I'm thinking about the delta between where it is and where I need it to go. And then I look at it, I move, and I look at it from a different angle, and then another angle. And that experience, particularly for a young person, is so powerful. And then having the resolve to, it's not there yet. And you know what? It's not going to happen today. Instant. It's not going to be instant gratification it's going to take time and resolve, and every day when you look at that, you see in a very concrete way that it's not where you envisioned it, and you hold true to that vision. You can't, the vision can't change significantly because you're working towards it. Otherwise, you're moving the goalposts, right? I think it's really, really powerful. Okay, that's an aside. So back to this idea of cognitive ankle weights. It really is this this problem from problem a problem solving perspective where I have I'm really devoting more attention or resources to understanding exactly how I can solve this issue. I, I think it has a bigger issue on innovation than when it comes to our time and those other things that we talked about. If our attention is focused in a particular context and we we have a goal, we just this is obvious, but we just we just we have a higher likelihood of making it work. so I use this terrible this is a terrible analogy, maybe it goes with some of the other ones I've already used in this episode. I always find it interesting when people are at bars and at the same time they're on dating apps and I'm not judging. I, I, I find it interesting because I just think about, okay, what if the dating apps weren't there? So here's the challenge. So I, I, I'm at the bar conceivably. I don't know, but let's say I'm at the bar because I want to meet another person to go on a date, to hook up, whatever it might be. If I'm on my phone on a dating app every person that's in that bar is against the field of people that are on that dating app. And the the problem with this, and I've written about this before, I probably talked about it. The people on dating apps don't have bad hair days. It's a curated version of themselves. So that's the first problem, right? Whereas the people in the bar, like well, could be drunk. <laughs> um, but they're, they're real, they're, they're in real life and all the issues that associated with engaging people in real life. Bad hair days, bad lighting, bad attitude, I don't know. Okay, so that's one problem. Here's the other problem. The other problem to me is if I'm not on my phone and I'm in that bar and my goal again is to meet somebody, regardless of what that leads to, I'm going to be watching people more closely. I'm going to be more open to engaging other people. And I'm more likely, <clears throat> nothing's definite, to find common ground and interest with somebody in that bar. Because I'm I'm more engaged with it. Because my goal is to connect. And I may make more effort to do that because I'm not distracted by a dating app. I'm making it work. If that same person were on the dating app, maybe they'd be interested in me, maybe they wouldn't, or vice versa. But I'm in this space, and I'm trying to make it work. It's like that aside of, Arranged marriages versus non arranged marriages. I mean, the data on that are fascinating. And I posted about this. If you follow me on LinkedIn, I posted about this like a month ago. And I said, look, you know, there's cultural elements. I'm saying it now. There are cultural elements that get into this issue. But it is fascinating that arranged marriages, the success rate is so high compared to non arranged marriages. I mean, the difference is huge. It's like 90%. Stay together or 10% divorce rate for for arranged marriages and a 50 year you know 40 or 50% divorce rate for non-arranged marriages and part of that yes i said the cultural piece part of it is making it work think about generations before us they didn't have dating apps they, just, they made it work not everybody. Lots of Some people got divorced, some people didn't and weren't happy. But there were also people who just made it work. So I'm off on a tangent. The idea of, of basically having our attention focused solely at a specific element makes us innovate more and makes us think about ways to connect more. We don't have those cognitive ankle weights wrapped around us. So what are you monitoring at the expense of other things? Those other things could be you're missing goals, you're less productive and innovative, you have less authentic relationships. And that's like a, that's not something that you're like sitting here right now. If you're on the treadmill listening to this, keep running, keep running. Um, it's not something that's like an epiphany. You have to really think about that because it's a little more longitudinal, right? All right, how is this really going? It's the boiling frog analogy that I love to give, right? Everyone loves that. It, and it's so true. Like, what was it really like a few years ago? Were you more productive? What about your relationships? Are you better off now than before, or are you worse off? Where's your attention at when you're around other people, whether it's a bar, airport, gate, wherever it is? Are you engaged with what's happening around you? Somebody right now is thinking, well, I'm engaged, but everybody else is on their phone. It could be. <laughs> I just want to mention, used to be the other element of mind wandering and the, and the distraction that comes from that. You know that. You know, and, and we've talked about this before that you know, we our minds wander. I mean, we we are susceptible to that. We can limit it because <clears throat> mind wandering tends to be, can tend to be, first of all, very negative, and obviously it diminishes our cognitive capacity. So I, I bring that up thinking about, you know, there's lots of really cool papers that I really look at, at mind-wandering, and people that tend to have higher levels of fatigue or stress, their minds tend to wander. And I, I'm not going to focus much on that, but I, I did want to mention it because I think it's, obviously, it's really, really important. Okay, so solutions. We're running a little long here. So when we're thinking about this idea of, we talked about the external piece. You can listen to, to external distractions in in previous episodes, but we're thinking about the internal piece. So <clears throat> pardon me. So we, we need to identify the trigger, just go with it. So if we're, if we're approaching a difficult project or report and we feel the need to pick up our phone, just think about why it's happening. Note it. And you don't, Excuse me again. And you don't need to resist it. It's not COVID. And I can't even give you COVID via podcast. Um, You can indulge in it, but put boundaries around it. All right, I'm going to spend five minutes on, on this. I'm not going down this rabbit hole. Be cognizant of it. And obviously getting sleep support. I mentioned that fatigue and mind wandering. Longer tasks tend to lead to more mind wandering. People need if you're study if you're a student or if you're working, you need to study your work in bursts. I've talked about this before, whether it's 45 minute bursts. Maybe if you are really struggling, and so many people email me that they're struggling with this. Start shorter, 10 minutes, focus. How's it, and how does that go? And then watch out for the transitions, right? That's when we're most susceptible. So you're gonna do those 10 minutes. The 10 minutes go really, really well. Now you can move on to something else. That's when you're most vulnerable. Right? Is between those two times. You you're on the rebound. It's like somebody on the rebound from dating. So many dating references today, but you're on the rebound. You're most vulnerable. Here comes here comes social media. Here comes Instagram. Instagram's right there. Don't hook up with Instagram. Don't do it. You know that relationship's not going anywhere. Watch out for your transition. And then thinking about this idea of you might have the time, but do you have the attention? And making time is great. It is. If it's something that's consistent with your goals or brings you fulfillment or helps you be more productive, but are you also carving out your attention for it? Okay. Before we go, I should mention cleaned a lot of plates in Memphis and I pumped a lot of tain down in New Orleans, but I never saw the good side of the city until I hitched a ride on the riverboat queen. <clears throat> you know what? This is, this is the easiest one. That's Proud Mary. <clears throat> Pardon me again. Uh, I and Tina Turner 1971. A friend of mine had this whole argument about she pumping a lot of tain down in New Orleans. Obviously that Octane, right? Excuse me again. I know it's annoying. If you have a drinking game, every time I clear my throat, you would be totally inebriated by now. Uh, You can get the Numb Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you get it through Apple Podcasts, I hope you will leave a review. As I mentioned at the beginning, so many downloads, but not a lot of reviews. I love a good review. Positive reviews would be even better. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. I don't do video for these. I had a couple people ask me that. I don't because it's just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem worthwhile. Uh, I mean, if a lot of people ask for it, I might do it. But Uh, You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, Dr. Charles Chafin. Happy to connect with you. I post a lot of content, particularly on on, uh, LinkedIn. And connect with me at charleschafin.com. Before I get to emails, and I have now responded to all, I'm caught up with listener emails. And before I forget that, you can email me at the numpodcast at gmail.com. I I needed to get that out because I always forget to give the email. And I have people emailing me that I didn't give out the email. Help me understand that. All right. Uh, I'm going to share two emails today. First is Michael from Shreveport, Louisiana. I have been to Shreveport, Louisiana. It snowed when I was there. Anyway, I didn't care for that. Uh, but Shreveport was, was, um, uh, was nice. Uh, I love your podcast, Michael says. I listen to it while I'm doing other things, which I guess makes me distracted. Well, uh, maybe. Um, I want to know which of the habits you talk against you most do yourself. Um, well, so I have a, um, I have social media apps on my phone and then I delete them. And that happens frequently. And usually it's, LinkedIn is probably the best example of that. So I, I will delete LinkedIn, the LinkedIn app on my phone and add it uh, weekly. It happens at least once a week. Um, because I post a lot of content and I'm not gonna get into this dopamine cycle, uh, dopamine loop, uh, so I'll I'll have it, and if there's something that I'm waiting for, maybe, I've, maybe I'm messaging with somebody or something on LinkedIn about something, and so I wanna, you know, I, I'm having some of vigilance, I'm like, okay, what am I doing? So that's probably the worst one for me, but I I delete apps, constantly. And it's you know, it's so great to be able to, it's so easy to do that. I have a, I use an iPhone and it's so easy to do that. iPad's the same way. But for me, that's the one that I constantly uh I battle that. I really do. That's a that's a that's a good question. I don't know if a great answer, but it's a good a good question. Um second email is from Greta from London in the UK. I was just there. I was just there, Greta, I didn't see you. Uh she says I listened to all of your uh, episodes. Do you think we will ever get our attention back? Um, it's a very general question, Greta. I think that um, I think it's a constant battle. I, I also think that there are a lot of people that are really thinking about the value of their attention, and they're really thinking about this attention economy that we now live in and um, are realizing that not all of this is working for us when it comes to this you know, digital world that we live in. Um, so my answer to that would be probably no different than if somebody said, do you think that the obesity crisis worldwide will end? It's, going to be on a case-by-case basis. But I think we're, you know, the in the work that I'm trying to do and a lot of other people trying to help people realize, okay, is this really working or is it not? And, you know, whether it's externally or we talked about kind of internally today, people saying, you know what, these habits that I have, these ways of coping with stress or whatnot aren't really working for me. And, that you know, that parallel to eating healthy and exercising, it's it's going to be a constant issue because there's so many things working against all of us as individuals, right? So the best thing we can do is try to educate people, give people little hacks that are going to help them. So it's a very general question, Greta, but I, but I appreciate it. Thank you for that. Uh, the producer for the NUM podcast is T- Tim Dolbear, and the music is written and performed, written and recorded by the very great, Jim Torito. Thank you for listening and downloading. Uh, Feel free to email me and connect, um, and I look forward to seeing you next time. And remember, if you're not where you are, you're nowhere. See you later.